Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Alice Robb is the author of Don't Think Dear on Loving and Leaving Ballet. Alice has written for Vanity Fair, The Washington Post, The Atlantic, and The New Republic, among other publications. Her first book, Why We Dream, was recommended by places like The New Yorker, The New York Times, Today, Vogue, Time, and The Guardian, and has been translated into 17 foreign languages. Welcome, Alice. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so excited to have you. <laughs> okay. Can you please tell listeners about your beautiful memoir? Yeah. So my book is called Don't Think Dear on Loving and Leaving Ballet. And it is in part a memoir about my time as a student at the School of American Ballet. It's also about four of my classmates who I started with at SAB uh, when we were all nine years old and our lives all went in different directions. And it's also a feminist interrogation of the ballet world and ballet culture. I love that you admit right away that you're like stalking all these people on Instagram. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like, you're like, but then I feel like it's okay because I have a picture of us all together. So it's not really stalking because I know them. I like just your whole like interior monologue and rationalization. That was very relatable. <laughs> I mean, that was the seed of this book. One of the seeds was social media stalking. As I mean, I talk about, talk about it in the book, but there were years when I was running away from ballet, trying not to think about it. It was all sort of too painful. But one thing I could not stop doing was stalking my old classmates on Instagram. So. <laughs> <laughs> this book was really um, just a big extension of that. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, you start out by showing us how much like grit and determination you have that you don't give up applying for the School of American <laughs> Ballet. And you said forever, like being associated with rain and the whole fam- the whole city was like on its knees because of 9-11. And that was right when you got your, your lifelong dream came true. And so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I was definitely more whatever little bits of early success I had were more about hard work than about talent. I just kept, really wanted to be a dancer and just kept kept applying for the school and kind of maybe ignoring some of the signs that this was not going to be the easiest path for me. But <laughs> still, I yeah. mean, I might want to be a ballet dancer. There is no, no matter how hard I worked, <laughs> I'm not going to be a ballet dancer. Do you know? uh-huh. so I feel like you had to, certainly not at a at the level that you were doing it. So I feel like you're underplaying your talent. It might not be like... I mean, that's kind of like one of the things this book is about is that so many... I mean, most of us are not going to be ballet dancers, but so many little girls pass through a phase of wanting to be a dancer. I mean, almost in the same way that girls want to be like Cinderella or a fairy princess. And there's just so many... You start at such a young age before you really know how you're going to develop. So there's so many girls who are devoting a huge amount of their childhood. I mean, for me, it was, you know, hours and hours every week, plus summer intensives and, you know, stretching at home while I watch TV and just kind of so, so much commitment. And the reality is for the vast majority of even teenagers who've made it pretty far, it's not going to be their career. True. Well, most things, I mean, honestly, most things we do as kids are not going to be our lifelong careers. Like there are very few things that start that early and just like keep going. Yeah. Well, I've heard from people who, you know, pursued acting or different sports, even some like former aspiring academics and anyone with a kind of, um, you know, difficult dream. Yeah. Yeah. You also wrote a lot about the effect of dance on body image and your body and even um, what it was like, you know, not being in control of your bones, which was such an interesting way to say that. You were like, I could be in control of my food and my body, but not my bones. I was like, whoa, I've never thought about my bones like that before. <laughs> um, That's healthy. Yeah. I mean, the, the standards of ballet are just so incredibly specific. I mean, people think of what's the ballet dancer, you know, quote unquote, supposed to look like they think, oh, they're skinny, but it's just so much more than that. And we had to think about, you know, the ratio of our torso to our legs of, you know, the width of our hip bones, the length of the neck. I mean, I had one friend who was told that her shins were too long. And I mean, there's just, you know, someone else told that her neck was too short. There's just, these are things that you just, they're just genetic. There's just very little you can do about them. But of course, you know, we would try to compensate, you know, like maybe your neck would look longer if you were super skinny, things like that. So it's all a little fucked up. Yeah. Well, you also explained that part of it had to do with, you know, the sort of the patriarchy, if you will, or like the mm-hmm. masculine, the the men. I mean, I don't even have to say it like that. 
it also has to do with the men who are involved and from Balanchine to Peter Martins and all of the the detrimental effects that having sort of abusive men at the helm, like of this coterie of women, what, what that could do. Yeah. I mean, ballet is a world that is in some ways very female. I mean, the vast majority of students, especially young students, are girls. It's a, It was a very gendered world as well. I mean, you know, thinking specifically, they're tiny bits of change, but my book is largely about um, ballet culture in the 2000s. But, you know, boys and girls are always in separate classes. At SAB, boys all got to attend for free, um, whereas girls had to pay. Um, and then, so boys were this, like, kind of treated as this special, scarce resource. And then, meanwhile, at the top, I mean, the vast majority of choreographers were and still are men. Women are trained more to join the corps de ballet, which is where the job is to look like everyone else, like, you know, a dozen swans all doing the same thing. So it doesn't exactly lend itself to nurturing your creativity. And then, yeah, I mean, there's a history of like dictatorial male directors who, you know, control every aspect of the dancers' lives, who, you know, marry their dancers who are usually much younger. So it's really from from top to bottom. (laughs) My gosh. Tell me what it was like reconnecting with the girls from your class. I mean, it really became, so this book went through so many different phases as I was writing it. When I first started, when I first had the idea, I thought it was going to be much, much less personal, much more like academic. Like I actually started, my first book was like much more straightforwardly journalism. And I thought this book was going to be like a group biography of, you know, four famous women dancers from history. Then I added in my own story and I was like, oh yeah, I kind of, no, this is fun. And then the final stage was I wanted to kind of expand it out for me and include my classmates. And I think that was really the thing that gave it the book for me. Like that was the most meaningful part for me. And it was incredibly validating because to hear my classmates stories, because I kind of had this before I started working on the book. So just to, um, I mean, I quit ballet when I was 15. I'm 31 now. So I, I haven't done ballet in a really long time. And I kind of felt a little bit almost embarrassed that ballet still had such a hold on me and on my psyche. And, you know, I would, I think I still, when I started the book, maybe a little to a lesser extent now would like, if I ever went to the ballet, I would feel sort of jealous of the dancers. And I still kind of had internalized those, that the ballet standards of, you know, what's a perfect body. And when I started talking to my classmates, some of whom had also quit ballet at the same time as me, and I heard how much ballet was still impacting them. It really, that's what gave me the confidence that like, this is a story worth telling. And I wasn't just like a weirdo for still thinking about ballet. (laughs) Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax. With their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs, you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, Furnishing it has never been easier. 
Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. No, I mean, it's such a formative piece of your life. I mean, how can you not think yeah. about it? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't beat yourself up. I wouldn't beat yourself up. No, I <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, how did, how did they all feel about revisiting this? It's interesting also that I worked on the book over the course of a few years. So I was able to actually like see things change in people's lives, both the kind of external realities and also how we were all thinking about things. I mean, I think we were all, you know, struggling with a lot of the same things, but I also think over the, so it was kind of an interesting period that we were all you know, talking about this, like from sort of late 20s to early 30s. And I think as we became like firmer in our adult identities, some of the ballet sort of residue was falling away a bit. So, and other things, I mean, one of my friends who I write about, Emily, who actually is still a dancer, when I first connected with her three or four years ago, she was in a pretty dark place. She wasn't working. She had just had, um, she'd had hip surgery that she hadn't really recovered from. You know, she was sort of living at home and not sure what she was going to do. And she also felt sure that, you know, I mean, she was in her late twenties. Like she felt like her best years were as a dancer were past her. And then um, actually like when she was 30, she got an amazing job dancing at the Met Opera. So she's, you know, I think people have kind of landed in, you know, it ended up being a bit more hopeful than I think I thought it might be when I started writing. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is your relationship with your body like these days? I think it's pretty good. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I'll take a ballet class from time to time. There are like positive things that I feel like I took from ballet in regards to how I relate to my body. Like it still physically feels good to do the movements, but at the same time, the environment of a ballet class can be kind of triggering. So I'll only do that like once every month or two. But yeah, I mean, I found, I like running and I'm on class paths, so <laughs> I found <laughs> other substitutes that are less all-encompassing. But it's still the kind of thing where I'm like, you know, 
I don't know if you're familiar with Strava, this app that tracks your runs. Like I have to, I still kind of steer clear of like things that will, that can make you really obsessive. Like I don't, I really don't have an Apple watch or like a Fitbit or anything. Got it. I feel the phone like records everything for me when I run the rare times that I run anymore, but you know, well, someone told, I didn't know that there was a step count feature until someone yeah. told me about it. And then once I knew about it, I could not stop checking it. So, well, I wish no one had ever told me about it. Oh, sorry. Well, good <laughs> thing I didn't just ruin it now. No, I don't look at it for steps because that's too depressing. I barely like walk five <laughs> feet a day, but I, you know, I like to feel some sort of accomplishment of like how, how, how far I ran, not like the yeah. steps, but, oh, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I must've run like four miles and it'll be like 2.2. <laughs> like <Yeah>. what? <laughs> so what do you do when you're not working on books like this and taking the occasional dance class? Like what's, what's the crux of your life like? I mean, the book has been pretty consuming uh lately I mean I also do some journalism still um that's where I started my writing career so especially in these like little periods post book that's usually what I go back to it's nice to have some little quick hit things you know get something up that's short term but yeah just kind of reading and writing and (laughs) um how did you I mean it sounds like the book given all of the iterations it went through, mm-hmm. could have been, I mean, was that stressful? Like, did you enjoy the process or how did you feel now, like looking back on the whole writing piece of it? Yeah. I mean, another big part of the book was there was still a, like a pretty heavy research component. So I went back and read, you know, a ton of like dancers, memoirs and books about the history of ballet. And that was actually really fun because when I was doing ballet, we did very little of that. So it was interesting to like read a history, a sort of like short history of ballet and actually like be surprised by a lot of it. Like there were really, especially I grew up in the SAB in New York City ballet world. So I knew, I did know a lot about Balanchine, but I knew very little about like dancers and choreographers anywhere else. I mean, I wrote most of this book during during COVID lockdown. So honestly, it was a pretty, it was nice to feel like I had some like a, a project. It felt very optimistic to work on something that would like come out in the future. So that was nice. But yeah, I mean, I actually did. I, like, I'm a total nerd and I love doing the research stuff, but it was fun to also do the like interpersonal stuff and like go, you know, I would like go have a two hour dinner with an old friend who I, hadn't talked to since we were 15, but also record the dinner. And yeah, I mean, I think it was, and then there was also the personal stuff was like, I went back to my childhood bedroom and was like digging out my old diaries from under the bed and, you know, talking to my parents about their memories. It was, yeah, I mean, my, my first book was about the science of dreaming. And I would say that was, that was much harder. Like I had to actually go, you know, read books about biology and psychology and interview scientists and stuff. This was, yeah, this was pretty fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What is your next project going to be? Well, I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) My my two books have been very different from each other. And I think my third book will also be a different genre. Ooh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. I was reading to my son last night and I was like, in the middle of it, I was like, 
I really want to write a book like this. And he's like, did, did the character just say that? Or are you saying that? And I was like, no, I'm saying that. Like, that's what I would really like to do if I had unlimited time. It's like, just keep writing for my kids at their ages, you know, hmm. just so that they'd always have something to read. But anyway, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know, as you try different genres, I'm like, that sounds interesting, you know, sort of like intellectually fun to give it a shot. I mean, it might be more like useful if I <laughs> did a consistent thing that I could like take my take my readers from one book to the next, but TV yeah, whatever. Yeah. Readers are pretty adaptable, I think, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Any advice to aspiring authors? I mean, I feel like I had a kind of weird path where like I never studied I didn't study English or writing. I studied archaeology and then I went into journalism. And when I sold my first book, like I actually had never written anything longer than an article. This is a pretty big leap. But I think that the main way I've learned, I mean, other other than, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to have great editors. I have a community of writer friends, but really just reading. I think that's just, that's just the biggest thing and reading the type of thing that you think you might want to make. I mean, one book that was like sort of formative for me as I was starting to think about, oh, what would, what could a book about dance look like was, I don't know if you're familiar with the book, The Lonely City by Olivia Lang. But it's a kind of like hybrid memoir, research-based kind of criticism book where she is about, the, the memoir strand is about Olivia Lang moving from London to New York for a relationship that then ends. And it's about, about being lonely in a foreign city. And then she kind of uses that to, she goes to museums and looks at art that deals with loneliness. So then she kind of gets into these like biographies of artists and her, you know, like criticism of the art or interpretations of the art. It's a really beautiful book. But yeah, that was, I think there were a handful of books like that, that kind of helped me think about like how to structure this. Yeah. So I guess reading. <laughs> I think that's great yeah. advice. Alice, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on Moms No Time to Read Books. I really think you're a great writer. I love the way you write and your whole style and, you know, it's sort of like mix of emotion and analysis. And mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know. It was, it was great. I really love the way you write. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax 
with their 20 plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.